Early on a Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. This is the Easter message. The tomb is empty. He is risen. And all across Cincinnati and beyond, I can hear thousands of Easter people saying, He is risen indeed. I think, though, if we're being honest with each other, this Easter morning feels a little different. The tomb isn't the only thing that is empty. Cities are practically empty. Stadiums are empty. Streets are empty. St. Peter's Square in the Vatican is empty. Church buildings around the world are sitting empty right now when normally they would be filled wall to wall with people from every walk of life. Some wanting to be there, some feeling like they were forced to be there, <laughs> some um, dressed in their Sunday best or new Easter outfits. Today, many of you aren't wearing your Sunday best, you're wearing your best pajamas. Things are a little different this Easter. If we're being honest, if we strip away the chocolate bunnies, the plastic eggs, the peeps, if we move past maybe even all of the surface level stuff, if we allow ourselves to strip away maybe even pride, ego, our insecurities, our need for control, for many of us there is an emptiness that is lingering just below the surface. An emptiness that comes from isolation, uh, anxiety, uh, sickness, quarantine, job loss, loss of a loved one, empty bank accounts, uh, empty cupboards, empty houses, empty hearts. Things are a little different this Easter. Before the empty tomb, before the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus gathered his closest disciples, his closest friends. He gathered them together for a meal. It's commonly called the Last Supper. Most scholars believe that this meal took place the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And so Jesus, he knows what's ahead of him. He knows what's coming. And as things are kind of dying down at this little dinner party, Jesus drops this bombshell on them. He looks to his disciples, you know, after the food and wine, of course, and and he says, one of you will betray me. One of you will actually deny me. And of course, they all start arguing and and saying, like, none of them would ever do anything like that. And and I I just want to share with you, like, this is Jesus' response to this moment. This is found in the Bible, in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 31. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking to a man named Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, 
but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now, now Peter says like, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you, even die with you. And Jesus says, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, a couple things I, I want to point out. Like, first, did you catch that, that, that Satan had to ask permission? Like, listen, some of you need to give a shout of praise right there, knowing that our God is bigger than anything this world is going to bring against us. The other side of that coin, though, is that Jesus allows Peter to be sifted. He allows it. Jesus says, go ahead, you can sift Peter. Because I know that when this is said and done, Peter will be stronger because of what you're going to put him through. That's what being sifted does. To be sifted means, by definition, to go through a process of refinement. To separate out. To break down. Or, or, or sort of define what is useful or valuable. Now, a little backstory on Peter. Peter was one of uh, Jesus' favorites. If anyone ever tells you that Jesus didn't have favorites, they're lying to you. They're not reading the Bible. Peter, John, and James, they're Jesus' big three. Uh, before being a part of Jesus' dream team, though, Peter, he was, he was a fisherman. He, he was just a regular guy. He, he had a couple boats. He wasn't a big deal. He wasn't a king or a landowner. He, he didn't hold any kind of position of authority. But Jesus chose him. Not just to be a disciple, not just to be one of his big three, but Peter would be at the foundation of the Christian faith. Another book in the Bible, Matthew chapter 16, this is before the resurrection, before the crucifixion, before Peter denies Jesus. We read that Jesus is with his disciples and he asks them, who do you say I am? I know that there's a lot of theories out there about who I am, but what do you guys think? And in verse 16, this is Peter's response. Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from, from any human being. Now, I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is such a beautiful and empowering moment for Peter and every Christ follower ever since. Because if you take a moment to understand like what Jesus is doing here, there is so much hope in this for all of us. Jesus knew that Peter wasn't perfect and he chose him. Jesus knew that in just a short time, Satan would ask to sift Peter. Jesus knew that Peter would deny Jesus three times. Jesus knew all of this, and he said, yes, that's my guy. Jesus saw Peter's potential, but he also saw his brokenness. He saw that there were some things that Peter needed to go through to become the man that he was created to be. Jesus sees the power of our potential, not just our problems. After denying Christ three times, Peter ran off. The Bible says that he wept bitterly. Can you imagine the guilt that he was feeling? The shame? The emptiness? Jesus said, I was a rock and I crumbled under the pressure. 
Some of you are feeling that way right now. You feel like that you were supposed to, to keep it all together. You're supposed to be able to lead your family, to, to lead your teams through any storms. Supposed to be able to provide, to protect. That, that I'm supposed to be a rock. Listen, if this is you, you're not alone in this. You're not, you're, you're gonna get through this, I promise you. I know that this hurts right now. I know that you're overwhelmed. I, I know that things are uncertain, but you're gonna get through this. This isn't the end of your story. You're just being sifted. Now, now, now watch what happens after Peter is sifted. No longer is Peter weeping bitter, bitterly. Peter now spoke with fire and determination. His passion for the church is, is fearless and relentless. One of the first times that Peter shares the gospel in public after Jesus' resurrection, we find out that, that over 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ and are baptized. That's just good preaching, y'all. Peter, he became the true leader that Christ would build his church on. And none of this happens without Peter being sifted. Listen, whether you're watching online or Facebook, on YouTube, on Channel 12 in Cincinnati, listen to me, we're gonna get through this. Whitewater family, friends that I haven't met yet, strangers that I haven't met, people in your pajamas tuning in for the first time. My friends back in Canton, Tim and Diane, Bob and Cheryl, I miss you. Mike, Daryl, Tim, Denise, Will and Kim, mom and dad, we're gonna get through this. Listen, God didn't cause COVID-19, but he's gonna use COVID-19 for his glory, for his benefit, to build his kingdom. He is using this to sift us, to draw us closer to him, to eliminate distractions. He's slowing us down. He's turning down the noise. He's, he's reprioritizing what's important. He is sifting us so that when the sifting is over, we will be stronger, wiser, bolder, more of the men, women, and students that we were created to be. I know that this is a different Easter. I know we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But friends, listen, there has to be death for there to be resurrection. And I think that there are some things in us that need to die so that we can experience resurrection. There is power in this season of emptiness. There is power in the empty tomb. Because of the empty tomb, we can be full of hope. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for all that you have done uh, for us. Whether, whether we know you, whether we, we've known you for years, or maybe we're coming to know you for the very first time, thank you that you saw us in our mess. You saw that, that we weren't perfect, and you still said they are worth dying for. Thank you for all that you did on the cross for us for all eternity. Jesus, thank you that even in this unique and, and, and different Easter, we are able to celebrate you. We thank you for all you've done. Amen.
This is an empty Easter in so many ways. John talked about that so well earlier. Streets are empty, even church buildings are empty this morning. It's weird. But the very first Easter was about the joy of an empty tomb just like this. I mean, when you think about it, Easter is about celebrating, believe it or not, emptiness. I mean, who in their right mind celebrates emptiness? We do. Because the tomb is empty, we don't have to be because he's alive, we can be too. I'm here in the Garden of Hope. It's in Kentucky. Oh, God loves to work in my old Kentucky home. Uh, but a pastor went to the Holy Land, was so impacted by what he saw, he came back to Covington, Kentucky and built a replica right here. Who knew? But what a great place. What a great name for this great place. The Garden of Hope. And isn't that really what we need right now? Hope? There's this fascinating scripture about Easter in John 20, verse 19. It's so applicable to today. Let me read it to you. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, in other words, the very first Easter, that evening, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. I can't prove it, but the Greek word for Jewish leaders is corona. No, no, I'm not kidding. They were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, so much rich truth here that's so practical today. Notice that the disciples were holed up. They were quarantined, really. 
sheltered in place behind closed doors. Why? Because of fear. Just like all of us and some of us especially are today. This very first Easter, friends, was just like this one. We can celebrate it just like they did. And I noticed in the middle of their quarantine, Jesus appears, he speaks a word to them, peace. He says, it says here, he breathed peace on them. I never noticed that before. What, he breathed without a mask? Yes. Oh, how we need a breath of peace right now. We no longer just need the breath, we need the Prince of Peace. It says here that Jesus passed through their locked doors into their quarantine room. Jesus came to them oh, because they couldn't come to him. This is so powerful, friend. Jesus always makes the first move, Easter and every day. And perhaps that same Jesus right now is getting through to some of your locked up hearts and your minds right now. When the women on that first Easter Sunday showed up early at a grave just like this, they didn't expect the tomb to be empty. Dead people tend to stay dead. Nobody was expecting nobody in there. They were looking for dead, not alive. Some of you might be too. You can find great hope though in emptiness. But like you, like them, you have to go looking for it. Fear is found where you focus. So is faith. So let your gaze, your focus move toward Jesus, especially today, because he specializes in turning empty into full. Hey, we all like full things, don't we? Full stomachs, full-time work. Some of you even love watching Full House. I know, I see you. But today of all days, we can also be full of hope because the grave is empty. Jesus, the one who rose, was full of grace and truth. And that good news can help us live life to the fullest now. Hey friend, you don't have to be full of fear and anxiety. Some of you are even using full spectrum CBD oil. Oh, I know my flock. Put your trust in this risen Lord today, friend, because there is an emptiness without Christ. But Jesus can turn your deadness, your darkness, your emptiness into fullness, fullness of joy. You know, maybe you need some prayer right now in a big way. And our prayer team at Whitewater would absolutely love to connect with you through our live prayer chat. Please, let us know how we can pray for you. We wanna pray for fullness and hope. I love the story about a father and his son who were riding in the car together when a bee flew in the car window. Has that ever happened to you? The young boy started to panic because he was allergic to bee stings. But the father quickly grabbed the bee in his hand. He held it for a moment while the boy calmed down and then he released the bee. The boy started to panic again until the father assured him that his sting was gone. Look at my palm, the father said. See this? And there still stuck in the father's hand was the stinger of the bumblebee. You don't have to be afraid anymore, he said. I've taken the sting for you. And my friend watching today, that's exactly what Jesus did for the disciples, for you, for me. Remember we read earlier in John's testimony that Jesus showed his hands and his feet to the disciples? And that very same nail-pierced man with nail-pierced hands and feet took the sting of sin and death and emptiness away by going to the cross. Friends, this is the gospel message of Easter. Jesus died, he rose again, and shouted to the whole world, 
Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Because of the cross, we can be forgiven. Because of the resurrection, hope is rising. Can you feel it? You know what I've been noticing? Cynics are everywhere these days. And hope is one of cynicism's first casualties. So here's some homework for you this week. Oh, your kids got homework. You adults, you got homework too. Let me give it to you. Let's fill this city of Cincinnati with hope right now like never before. Let the Jesus people declare the message of the empty tomb. I'm asking you to go out and do some chalk talk on your street. Maybe write, hope is greater than fear, like hope with the greater than sign. Or maybe hashtag, hope is rising. Let's decide to spread hope faster than COVID-19. Let's be the church working right, especially now. And friend, if you're in an empty season right now watching this, our church's mission is to help provide hope. Don't be afraid to reach out to us. We're all in this together. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, on this day of all days, we proclaim hope to people who are hopeless, even those watching, I claim that now. May we provide hope. Father, right here, right where I'm standing, I'm looking out over a city that needs hope. May we be there for our city right now. I pray for hope in this city that we love, and we have it because of Jesus Christ. So for everyone watching, for everyone who will watch this, thank you in Jesus' name, amen.